given to his son Joseph a beautiful well. And wearied by his long journey, Jesus sat down and said, Hey, boys, head into town and get some food. So the disciples walked into town and got lunch. While they were gone, Jesus rested. And then, along came a woman. Now it's noon. The sun is high. Normal people don't draw well water at noon. But thirsty people do. Thirsty people draw water at noon if they're thirsty. And as the woman tied the rope on her jug and led it down into the well, Jesus said, Hey, could you give me a drink? And she said, Hey, good Jewish boys don't talk to Samaritan women. because most Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus replied to her, if you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you, you would ask me for a drink and I would give you living water. The woman said, Sir, you don't even have a bucket. Where are you going to get this water? It's so deep. Do you really think that you are greater than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well and gave water to his family and his flocks? Jesus said, If you drink from Jacob's well, this well here, you're going to be thirsty again. But, don't you love a good but? But, if anyone drinks from the living water that I give them, they will never thirst again. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, flooding you with endless life. Are you a gushing fountain today? And the woman replied, all right, bring it on. Let me have a drink of that water. Then I'll never have to come back here to this well ever again. Jesus said, So go get your husband, bring him back here. She said, I'm not married. (laughs) He said, that's true. For you've had five husbands. You've been married five times. 
and now you're living with a man that's not your husband. You know what? You're right. You have told the truth. The woman changed the subject. You must be a prophet. So tell me this. Why do our fathers worship God on this nearby mountain, but your people teach that Jerusalem is the place where we have to worship? Who's right? And Jesus responded, Believe me, dear woman. Don't you love that? Believe me, dear woman. The time has come when you will worship the Father neither here on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, but in your heart. Your people don't really know the one that they worship. They don't really have a good understanding of that. But we Jews worship out of our experience, for it's from the Jews that salvation's available. From now on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place at the right time, but it will be with the right heart. For God is spirit, and he longs to have sincere worshipers who adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. And the woman said, that's kind of confusing. But I know that the anointed one is coming. I know that that's what I've been taught. And when he comes, he's going to explain all of this. And Jesus said, you don't have to wait any longer. The anointed one is speaking to you. I am the one you're looking for. At that moment, the boys came back. They had brought lunch. And they were stunned, putting it mildly, to see Jesus speaking with her. Yet, none of them dared to ask him why or what they were discussing. <laughs> and all at once, a realization came over her, and she left her water pot, and she booked it into town. And she said, come, come and meet a man at the well who told me everything I've done. He is the one we've been waiting for. And hearing this, the people came streaming out of the village to see Jesus.
Now, I want to talk about what have we noticed so far? Where are we at? Where is our picture? This, this, is, this is now audience participation. So where are we at? We're by a well. We're in what, in what uh, geographic location? Samaria. Samaria. In a little village, right? So we're in town, in a country, at a well. What time of day is it? It's noon. Heat of the day, right? And a conversation begins between the Messiah and a woman. A woman who had lived life. Some speculate about this woman. But I'd like to offer you some what-ifs. What if she was married the first time? And her husband went out to work in the field and had a heart attack. Do you know what the Jewish law says? The Jewish law says that the next in line, the brother, and prayerfully there are many, would take her in and sleep with her so that she could have a baby that would carry on his line. That was her responsibility in that culture. So what if husband two goes out and gets in a brawl with someone and is killed. Now we're two for two. So what happens? Prayerfully, there's another brother. And third, and a fourth, and a fifth. Because in that culture, women did not make an income. Women were not, did not have the ability to work a job like you and I go to. It's a different culture. It's a different setting. Men took care of women for their lifetime. What concerns me most is that say number five goes out 
and he's in a war or some kind of a skirmish or a battle, and he's taken captive by the enemy. She now has no one to care for her. By law, she cannot get divorced. He's missing in action. In the Jewish culture, you have to get a divorce decree, and only the man can give that. If he's missing, that paperwork cannot be done. It happens to this day. And even though she was living with someone that she was not married to, so often our minds are drawn to the most negative circumstance or the most negative consequence. I have a different perspective. What if? What if? She had a childhood friend who was already married and took her as a second wife. Did you know she has actually no status? She can be cared for in certain respects, but she has no status. But when she encountered a man at the well, something happened. As the dialogue continued, and she responded to him about, I have no husband, and he commented, you speak the truth. I believe he spoke those words with absolutely no condemnation. It just is the truth. She, of course, that's part of her life that she's embarrassed by. It's a, an uncomfortability. And yet, in the midst of that uncomfortability, she changes the subject to get him onto something else. But she doesn't change it to the weather or some such nonsense. She jumps in deeply into a theological discussion. Have you ever thought about the fact that a Samaritan woman is going toe-to-toe -to -toe with the king of the universe? And he engaged her. No condemnation. He engaged her.
He offers hope in a relationship with the Father. And he tells her that she is one that he's looking for because she is seeking the Father. She is seeking him. If she wasn't seeking him, she wouldn't even be thinking about this concept. She'd be thinking about getting her nails done. Not really. She probably wasn't thinking about getting her nails done. That would be me. Sorry. But she would be thinking, hmm, how do I get grain so that I can make bread today? Where can I find a fig tree so that I can pluck figs so that I have something to go with the bread? But no, she wasn't thinking about that in her off moments. She was thinking about why? Why is there this struggle? Why is there this turmoil? Why do we fight about things that don't matter? She concedes that she doesn't understand, but she states this beautiful truth. I know the Messiah is coming, and he is going to make it all plain. He will answer all my questions. He is the one that when I pour out my heart, he will listen. And what does he say to her? Ta-da! Here I am. And exactly what you needed, you have received. As the disciples returned, can you imagine all of the things that were going on in her mind? He's He's had these dialogue, this dialogue with her, and, and, she, and he has told her things about herself that she didn't share with him, but he knew them because he was a prophet and he was the son of God. But as the disciples returned, I believe that realization happened, that she knew that she knew that she knew that this was the Messiah, and she could not keep it to herself. She could not. So she runs off to the village, testifying to the villagers of this man who told her everything that she had done. Now, I'd like to stop there. If you came to the well at noon so as not to see your neighbors and be talked about, then some kind of transformation had to take place for you to run back to the village yelling and screaming and shouting for everyone to come to see this man at the well. Something radically changed. According to Webster, 1828, the word transformation in the fifth little, whatever that's called, because I didn't know what it was called, in theology, a change of heart in man by which his disposition and temper are conformed to the divine image. A change from enmity 
or the quality of being an enemy that's rooted in hatred to holiness and love. Did something like that happen to the woman at the well? Absolutely. She had a transformation doing her chores. In the middle of her day, she had a transformation. She had an encounter with the Messiah, and he changed her life. Now, what transformed her? Was it his thoughtfulness, his gentleness, his kindness, the compassion that she saw from him? Was it when he told her about her life and then continued the dialogue without condemnation? Was it the way he spoke of his father? Oh, can you imagine listening to Jesus talk about his dad? I love to hear people's stories. That's a big deal for me. I can't even imagine how awesome it would have been to be that woman listening to him talk about his dad and what his dad's looking for and that he wants us to come to him in spirit and in truth. Was it the way that he included her in with those people that are seeking? Was it the way that he announced to her that he was the Messiah? This was the first announcement that he was the Son of God, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Sent One. Interesting that he chose a Samaritan woman at the well. I believe she was changed by love, not condemnation. That she was healed through his heart, not the law. That she was empowered by his continued communication, not his silence. She left her jug. She ran to share the good news of Jesus the Messiah. Now that's a transformation. But look what happens next. Many in the Samaritan village come running out. They listen as Jesus shares. And as he begins to talk, they are listening in the back of their mind to how she said, he told me everything I did. That was her testimony to them. And these people, this village of people, invited Jesus to stay. And he stayed for two days. This resulted in many more coming to faith because of his message. And then the conversation with the villagers to the Samaritan woman were a little different. And they said, now we've heard him ourselves. We no longer believe just because what you told us, but we're convinced that he really is 
the true savior of the world. Men, women, and children heard the good news that day and the one that followed, and they all came to the same conclusion. They didn't have to take her word for it. They got to hear it for themselves. So how does this apply to you and me? Jesus wants to do a transformation in our lives. He wants us to believe that he's the anointed one sent by the Father. He wants us to be set free from the bondages that hold us captive. He wants to release us from shame, anxiety, fear, doubt, addictions. He wants us to be transformed into his divine image. He wants us to be ready to then go share the good news with those that are around us. He wants us to live like him, thoughtful, gentle, kind, compassionate. When we find out about someone's past or even their present situation, he wants us to carry on conversations that are not condescending or condemning. The Holy Spirit will work on them in his timetable. That's his job, not ours. He wants us to share the relationship that we have with God with those that are around us. Our quiet times of reflection, scripture reading, meditation, fasting, worship, and service to the king are evidence of our relationship with God. And he wants us to be ready to declare that he is the Son of God, the Anointed One, and the Messiah. Now, if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as the Anointed Sent One, I encourage you, ask him. He wants to come in. He wants to live with you. He wants to walk with you in the Spirit. He wants to transform you. Romans 3:22 through 26 says, God treats everyone alike. He accepts people only because they have faith in Jesus Christ. All of us have sinned and fall short of God's glory, but God treats us much better than we deserve because of Jesus Christ. And he freely accepts us and sets us free from our sins. God sent Jesus to be our sacrifice. Christ offered his life's blood so by faith in him, we could come to God. And God did this to show that in the past, he was right to be patient and forgive sinners. This also shows that God is right when he accepts people who have faith in Jesus. Romans 6.23 says, sin pays off with death, but God's gift is eternal life given by Jesus Christ our Lord. And the icing on the cake is Romans 10, 9, and 10, where he says, So you will be saved if you honestly say, Jesus is Lord. And if you believe with all your heart that God raised him from the dead, God will accept you and save you, and you will truly believe this and tell it to others. There was a compound effect. You're going to He's going to accept you and save you, and you are going to accept it 
and tell others. And the scriptures say that no one who has faith will be disappointed. Whether they're Jew or Gentile, there's only one Lord, and he's generous to everyone who asks for his help. All who call out to the Lord will be saved. The woman in succor came to the well in obscurity, and she left known. She came to the well questioning and left sharing and declaring. She came to the well seeking, and she left having found the living water. In Acts 1-8, Jesus reminds the apostles that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Transformation didn't just come to a woman at the well. Transformation came to a village in Sekar, a country of Samaria. And legends go on to tell about a woman who came from a small village that went on to tell people all over Rome about the good news of Jesus Christ. And that she even went head to head with Emperor Nero, who was nasty and crazy for real. And that Nero's daughter came to her and she was able to pray with her. And Nero was not happy and eventually had her beheaded. But there are also stories that she and her sisters were put in a fiery furnace for over seven days. And every time they opened the fire, they were still alive and that nothing had happened to them. And they eventually put the fire out because they weren't burning up and they weren't dying. I don't know if... That's your story. I don't know if you came to the well in obscurity, and I don't know if you came questioning, and I don't know if you're a seeker, but if you are, the sent one, the Messiah, Jesus, our Savior, wants you to be known. He wants to answer your questions. And he wants you to find that living water. So this morning, I encourage you to go to your village. I don't know where your village is. It might be your neighborhood. It might be your work. It might be your family or your extended family. It might be a community organization that you 
have inroads in that you can declare the living water and that he wants to set them free. But I pray that today we will go to our villages declaring, come and see a man who knew all the things I did, who knows me inside and out. He's the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Lord, I thank you that we have the opportunity to be invested in by you, like you invested in the woman at the well. You showed us how important people are to you, no matter what their station in life. You broke down barriers that were not in the Torah, but that had become the cultural norm. It didn't declare in the Torah anywhere that a man could not talk with a woman. But they had become so full of themselves that they began to add more and more things, more and more rules to dictate people's lives. But you poured out your heart of love into a woman who needed your encouragement, your grace, your tenderness, your compassion. Today, I pray that you would help us to invest in those around us with those same qualities. And Father, as you draw people to yourself today, I ask that you would allow them the courage and the boldness to seek you in spirit and in truth, that you would allow their transformation to be evident just like the woman at the well. I thank you for drawing them into your family. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning to invite Jesus in, I'd like you to reach out to us if you're on Facebook Live or um, YouTube, please send a message to Pastor Ralph. We have some materials that we'd like to get to you so that you can be reading this week and begin walking out this journey with joy, with excitement, just like the woman at the well. This morning, I've asked the worship team to come back um, as we worshiped this morning, I, I wanted to give you an opportunity. Sometimes um, as church people and as church people, we forget that altars are an open are always have an open season i don't know if you're a hunter but hunting season if you're hunting a specific thing it only is for a certain number of weeks but altars do not have a close date they're always open coming to altars doesn't mean that you're getting saved again you can get saved for the first time, 
But after that, it's about hanging out with the man at the well. I don't want you to ever take for granted that you can spend time with the man at the well. His name is Jesus and he cares so deeply for you that as we sing, I'm gonna encourage you, find a place to thank him for coming and offering you living water. That's what he's done for you. If you've already accept him, accepted him as your Lord and Savior, he, we should walk in such joy and thankfulness every single day because he has filled us with living water through the Holy Spirit. And if you want to hang out with him for a little while, the worship team is going to play and sing. And if you'd like to hang out, please feel free to do that at the altar today.
challenging. Thank you. You know, we, uh, we come so uh, many times uh, with judgments regarding um, people's worthiness of the message. Uh, we separate ourselves because uh, you know, we think they're too bad or whatever. And, What a, what an awareness, you know, that this Samaritan woman had a knowledge about Christ and, and worship practices and that she was looking for the Messiah. <laughs> the Jews were avoiding her and yet she was looking for that one that came through them that would change her world. We have hope that we carry with us everywhere we go. And, and this, this resurrection season is, a, is about transformation. And, and, and I truly believe when we allow the transformational effect of Christ to be evident in our lives, it will affect others. It will change others. But we must be willing to let that shine through. Thank you. This time we're going to wait upon you for morning tithes and offerings. We thank you for your faithfulness. Hallelujah. Most of you coming in today probably noticed we also have a new church sign out there. And so, um, so Ryan and uh, uh, Willie put that all together for us. And we, Willie with the uh, cons consultation of the board have been working on that for a little while and um, I know you know with men you know sometimes it takes a little longer uh, but we get it done so uh, but it looks fantastic and there'll be some other stuff getting done here soon but just uh, uh, I'm excited about all the the positive things that are happening the great things that are happening here and and uh, I just uh, can we just thank Ryan and Willie for that real quick and and Gabriel all those people that have had a hand in that. So, Also, um, with our preschool starting back up in the fall, um, uh, if you would advertise to your friends, if you know people that have, uh, you know, toddlers in that area, that age range, um, we would love to have them come and be part. So, all right. Um, let's pray over offering. Father, thank you for this opportunity to give. We pray your blessing on this offering, that it would be multiplied to meet the needs of... Uh, uh, your church and the kingdom, and uh, we just pray that as we move towards resurrection, you would help us to experience the excitement of this moment, uh, the transformational effect of this moment. We thank you for it, and we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Wanna, if you are not on our crew app, if you're not getting uh, emails, if you're, if you're not um, currently getting any of that communication, please send me um, your email address, and I will uh, make sure you get added in there um, because that's how you're going to get an invite to this. And then uh, it's just important. So if we don't have all of your information, it's not going to be on the app. And you can't get into the app unless we have your information and send you an invite. So it's, it's a process. So we want you to get the information. We want you to be in the know. 
Um, also, next Sunday, we are receiving into membership a number of families that have come, that have uh, signed into membership over the last um, several months. And so uh, this coming, or next coming Sunday, we're going to welcome them into to membership. So we're excited about that. So God bless you all. Love on one another and be ready for uh, the things that are coming. <laughs>